The future of health coaching. Opportunity, action, impact. Brought to you by Teleosis Institute, coaching and narrative healing. Welcome to the future of health coaching online. I'm Dr. Joel Kreisberg, Executive Director of the Teleosis Institute. With my colleague, Reggie Marr, a co-director, we bring you conversations monthly with health coaches and healers and health practitioners who are really, who are bringing new innovation and technology to really relieve suffering. Today, we're gonna to be talking about chronic pain and how coaching can be a powerful tool for reducing pain, reducing and managing pain. And to do this, I'm going, we're gonna have a coach, Shelly Jackson Buffington, with us. Shelly is a certified professional coach specializing in using mindful pain management to support individuals living with pain and illness. Having lived with chronic pain for over a decade, due to a debilitating spinal injury and congenital bilateral hip dysplasia. As a coach, Shelly is changing the landscape of chronic pain. She's the host of a popular show, Painiac, the podcast for mindful pain management. And it's very exciting to have Shelly with us today. So Shelly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me today, Joel. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so glad you can be here because this is a subject that's really, really important. And so I think we're just going to jump right into it and sort of let you have a, a couple, you know, take your time. How do you work with chronic pain in your coaching? Why is it a powerful tool? Um, well, I, I, if it's okay, I, I'd like to tell a little bit more about my story first because okay. I think that that can help uh, uh, yeah. explain my, my incentive behind, my impetus behind all the work that I've been doing. Um, so as you know, as a doctor and someone who works in the health field, you know that chronic pain and chronic illness is um, somewhat of a, it, it permeates so, much part, so many parts of our culture. And I was astounded to find out that globally 1.5 billion people suffer mm -hmm. from chronic illness. I know it's the giant number or chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And um, in the U.S., it's something like 100 million people and um, it combined cancer, heart disease, and diabetes, it's, it's more than, than those individuals combined. So it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's, a, it's an epidemic, essentially. Yes. And un, unfortunately, people suffer often invisibly, and it can be really isolating, it can feel uh, anxiety riddled. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to be. And, and personally, I am someone who lives with chronic pain. Um, as you mentioned in the intro, about 11 years ago, I fell and, and broke my spine, and I was um, uh, debilitated, unable to take care of myself, unable to um, walk or work, or I was essentially crippled by it. Um, and I, my life completely changed. I saw upwards of, I lost count at like 34 doctors. I saw every type of practitioner you could possibly think of, and um, I was diagnosed very late on with um, a bro with fractured um, vertebra, and um, by that point, I had been told I was going to have to learn to live with it. That uh, I had been told for years it was all in my head, and you know whatever had happened to me, I was just going to have to manage on my own. And that was really hard. I felt really abandoned. I felt like I didn't have. A support system mm -hmm. um, medically, but also my friends started to fall apart, fall away. 
Um, you know, I was in my 20s and people weren't, they weren't typically, they typically weren't used to dealing with something so traumatic and something so yeah. difficult to manage, right? So it was hard for me on a social level, like uh, financially, you know, professionally at so many levels. And I realized at that point that there weren't resources for people who like, who, like me, people who were trying to continue to move forward with their lives and didn't want to be debilitated by pain. Um, you know, taking painkillers was not something, was not an option for me. I am very sensitive to painkillers. I didn't feel functional. I felt completely dysfunctional by taking them. So I wanted to find other ways to manage my life and to continue moving forward. Um, so I ended up, uh, long story, it's a very long story, but long story short, I ended up for about a decade, you know, less than a decade, um, getting, I got five surgeries, um, three to my spine. I ended up um, getting some relief, but still living with residual pain from the injury, the initial injury. Mm -hmm. And I also was diagnosed to, with an unrelated bi, um, bilateral congenital hip dysplasia, which mm -hmm. was also debilitating and ended up going through, undergoing two very severe surgeries. One is considered the most invasive orthopedic surgery you could voluntarily sign up for. Oh <laughs> so I, I spend a lot of time, um, you know, in recovery um, in some way or another being debilitated by pain. And that was my physical condition. But my mental and emotional condition was, um, you know, it was very fragile because I, I'm a very determined person and I wanted to continue to move on with my life, but I felt like I didn't have the support to do it. Mm -hmm. And I turned to my, I turned to meditation mm -hmm. about six years ago, or no, about nine years ago, actually, eight or nine years ago, but started to really develop it six years ago and started to turn to writing for, as a form of just release. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of reading about self-care and about just, you know, being my own, my own, um, my own resource mm -hmm. and being my own advocate. Mm -hmm. And all that to say that I, I started to work really hard to remove myself from this story of pain, the story of I'm someone who's always in pain. I'm someone who's always hurting. I'm possibly never going to get better. And that's a place that's really hard to leave because it's, it's a natural place to go to when you're hurting. Right. But I realized it wasn't, it wasn't helping me and, and, you know, to use a coaching career, it wasn't serving me. Right. Right. Um, so I, uh, you know, long story, a little bit longer, <laughs> is I ended up um, uh, two years ago doing a coaching program, and I always was aspiring to, to create some sort of resource, and I had a blog for years, um, mm -hmm. and it was widely read, but it was very personal about mm -hmm. just my story, and mm -hmm. I decided two years ago to start creating a resource for other people to use nice. um, to help them themselves. And that's how my podcast came to be and my coaching practice, Peace of Body Coaching, came to be. Right. Uh -huh. Nice. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, what I love about the story is there's a moment where you decide you want more than just holding on to the sort of what we call the illness narrative. Right. And he's like, well, that's nice, but isn't there anything else? And so, and you really kind of, what I appreciate is that you, you describe it as a grassroots process. It starts by taking space with meditation and reflecting and writing. And then it births into a whole, you know, being able to serve and relate to others. Right. That's, that's great that you noticed that you picked up on that because that's the, that's the next step, I think, in terms for healing 
on my journey, but also with my clients is, um, you know, going within, finding your own inner strength and being your own resource and then taking it out mm-hmm. and sharing with other people because so many people are hurting. And I think that it's so isolated. It can be really isolating when you're living with, with any trauma, whether it's physical or emotional, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, changing, taking back your story, but also moving, moving into the community and helping others, you know, you know, pull themselves up as well. So. Well, it's amazing how healing it is to be of service to other people. But you have to be, you know, you have to be healthy enough and realizing, and, and your story is wonderful because it, it sort of describes how what seems like is my illness is also the gift that it facilitates my growing into a new way in which I can relate to people differently. So now, so you became a coach too, and then, and so now you, you relate people, you still, it sounds like you still have pain at times. Yeah, I de- identify as someone who lives with chronic pain and I, the language that I use with my clients and that I'm using in our conversation is that, um, you know, I used to say for years, I'm in pain or I have pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the language I use is I live with pain. The emphasis is on, I still have a life I'm continuing on. And yeah, so I do live with residual pain from my, both the, the spinal trauma, but also living with dysplasia um, because I, the surgery only corrected part of my pelvis. And it's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough condition, but I, you know, the emphasis on living and moving forward and, and right. you know, so then you become a role model of someone who I've been there and I had to do something and it's a boot pulled up by my bootstraps in a way I did it myself. And, but it, it's not that you, the things that you were doing were like you invented them. It's like you use things that are out here for all of us. And then you're saying, but I need to take it out and give this gift to the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I realized that there were resources. I wasn't being told that there were resources for me to, to, to access, but I, I, it was a lot of, uh, you know, my own due diligence to find some sort of tools I could use. And, you know, meditation, you can do anywhere at no cost. Um, same with writing. So, uh, and reading is pretty affordable. Um, so yeah, I did, a, I found tools that I could use and then have since tried to share those with other people and honed some of my own tools to share. Mm-hmm. With people, so. Which is so it's interesting. So you use the language, you know, you weren't told. And so what you're describing and in my, in the way I talk about it is that, you know, when we're, we have an illness, we end up in the sick care system and the healthcare system, and that's doing a wonderful job. We're not criticizing of managing sort of certain components of our, our illness, but now we're seeing the emergence of this whole field of coaching because there's another opportunity for working with healing, working with pain, working with these challenges in a, it's, it's a non-medical intervention in a way. Right. So how would you describe your, you know, how you start to work with people? Oh, how to start to work with people. Well, um, to comment on what you just said and this goes to how I work with people is that um, when you're, I hear people describe themselves as a professional patient. Mm. That's a very common word, term in the, in the community of people living with pain and illness. And I, I understand that term. I've related to that term. I don't like the term because it puts everything on you as feeling powerless, as you have to go into the, the medical sector, you have to talk to an expert, you have to talk to a doctor, you have to talk to someone who can tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I meet my, my clients where they're at, and I hear that narrative. Mm-hmm. But I remind them that they also have to meet themselves where they're at. And they have to also recognize, and this is a big thing, that Yes, you do need to have a supportive 
practitioner of medical team um, can help help you along your your journey and with your health your healthcare. However, that's not everything. You need to also be your own advocate and take care of yourself when you're not talking to your doctor. And and oftentimes when you live with chronic pain or chronic illness, that you know it's chronic. It may not be something that is easily remedied by a surgery or rehab or um, medical, you know, pharmaceuticals. Um, so my patients, as I say, I mean, my clients, sorry, you're a doctor, so I hear the word patients. Um, so my clients, I work with them to recognize that the goal is, it'd be great to be pain-free. That could be, a, could be a lovely goal. But the goal that I work with my clients with is to get a manageable baseline of pain. So your every day is, is manageable, you're functional, you're able to continue living your life. Right. And when you have a flare-up, you have the resources to practice your own self-care, to, to bring the flare-up down. Um, you have the, the words and the vocabulary to contact your doctor on your behalf and to have a really efi- efficient, effective conversation with them, a dialogue, so that way you can get your questions answered. Um, but the goal is to is to really have put an emphasis on, you know, being your own self advocate, your own advocate and taking ownership in your own health. So. Which is, which is really very important because I mean, what you described is very much when you, I say, I don't use the word patient either. So I I (laughs) trip on the language too. Um, You know, I call them clients because a patient relationship and and I'm reading a a wonderful book on this. It it fundamentally is the experts are in charge. It isn't, I mean, it's starting to become a relationship where you, you know, you get a say, but historically it just wasn't. And, you know, and, and whatever, it's history is history. It's a learned behavior and the system still has a habit of sort of producing patient as a receiver of treatments. And so you're describing starting right out with, hey, guess what? You're in charge of your body, <laughs> right? Yeah. To begin with, right? And that's work right there there's a whole process but it's like first it's giving permission and then it's learning what that means yeah absolutely it's a very collaborative uh relationship it's a collaborative on the client coachee the coach coachee dynamic but also with the the coachee and their their body so and their health so it's it's very right. collaborative yeah so that's an emerging relationship that happens. And you're also doing it with a different health professional. So it's kind of like saying, oh, I can have this relationship with me and I can have a professional who's on my team versus I have a whole cast of, of people who just don't. I mean, the social worker is the one who gets in, in a hospital setting, is the one who closely shows up as being on your team, right, in some way. But most of the treatment providers are not really thinking that way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, when you're when you're someone who's living with chronic pain or illness, you go to the doctor and you're hoping to to hear the answer. And that can be uh, I, I know the I know the moment or not the moment, but I know the time of, you know, my life when I realized that my goal wasn't to get an answer. Mm. My goal was to establish a really st- strong relationship with my healthcare team, but also to realize that my goal was to, you know, just enjoy my life and to do whatever mean by whatever means necessary that is, you know, and it right. so then you, then you would, I, I use the language to have meaning, right? So yeah. you, it's interesting because disease almost takes, it turns the meaning into some sort of diagnosis. So my, um, when you, you know, that idea that, uh, that your professional patient is, well, I guess I'm just a cancer or I guess I'm just this. It's like, actually, no, you're still a meaningful person. So you can enjoy lots of things. You can be of service. 
these are healthy. Right, yeah, 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 that's a great way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting just to hear you. <clears throat> you, you I, I sort of return your language because we're working with how to use, language is really hard here. We don't have a lot of good language, which is why you actually, you came up with a great word, which is a paniac. I don't know if you came up with it, but that's the first time I've seen it. So tell, yeah. tell us, please share what a paniac is and its origins. Yeah, so I, I, I coined that term paniac. Um, uh, when was that? 2009? Mm -hmm. I think it was the end of 2009. Um, I was um, in a wheelchair for the third time in, you know, I think it was um, three years that I had been in and, in and out of a wheelchair. And I had just gone to a renowned spinal doctor in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. San Francisco, and um, was so, I felt betrayed, I felt abandoned, I felt so hurt. And um, the doctor had told me after seeing me for about less than three minutes in his office without even examining me that um, it was all in my head that I was never gonna get better, I probably will never walk again, and I was just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> and he said, you know, um, you know, you're just gonna have to be one of those maniacs who's on pain pills. He actually used the word maniac, oh with an M, and I was completely offended right. and hurt and left in tears um, and did a lot of just writing in my journal about it. Um, and, I started to feel similar to how I can imagine um, <laughs> women in, you know, the 40s, you know, or when they started to use the term hysteria a lot, mm -hmm. how I was hysterical because I was hurt and needing help. Mm -hmm. And I just started to say, you know, yeah, it is a mania, but I, I'm not a maniac. I'm a paniac. I'm someone mm -hmm. who is so affected deeply by pain and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's just how, it's just, it's a constant. Right, right. Yeah. And so, 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 so no, that makes total sense. I mean, that's why I love the word. And so you've gone on and how do people relate to it? I mean, what's your experience of, of using that word and introducing it? Uh, well, I think that there's a little bit of a cheekiness to it where it's, you know, it's kind of fun and kitschy. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I define a paniac as anyone who, is living with uh, and, and managing chronic pain or chronic illness, whether, you know, it's, it's something that, um, that they just, they have constantly in their, in their life. And I, I, I started a blog a few, this was back shortly after I coined the term, I started a blog called I'm a Paniac, um, which has since I've disbanded it, but it was a great resource uh, for me, an outlet for me. And I named my podcast Paniac. I refer to my community of people who are on my Facebook group or um, following my writing as Paniacs. Mm -hmm. And the, I really just share it as, you know, um, a term that people can embrace or not embrace. It's, up, you know, it's out there for people to, mm -hmm. to take, take it or leave it. Um, but I like that it's, it's, it's a way of kind of like taking back and owning that experience with physicians or with any healthcare or anyone in the world actually that is in your daily life who right. puts that on you as um, they kind of imprint the pain onto you as if that's all you are. Right. No, so, it's wonderful. Yeah, it really changes the language. You know, so, you know, you know we're doing, we, we do narrative health coaching. And so your use of narrative is very, I, I love it. I mean, it really is, you know, you, you, you described it, the change from an illness story to, 
So a healing story, that's one of our languages. You describe that, you know, that, that relationships matter. It's another piece of a narrative health coaching, you know, it, it, and so Paniac is, is like, well, if you're going to call me, uh, you know, this, well, I'm going to call myself a Paniac. It's a, it's a way of, it is a way of saying, no, oh, you know, I have my own term for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not hysterical. I'm not some person who's, you know, just worthless. A lot of times we feel, you know, not valued when you're living with pain and stigmatized. So yeah, it's kind of a fun term <laughs> to, yeah. to take back. Yeah. Very much. So. But you know, and so what you do, we, we, we talked about this a little before the conversation, you know, one of the challenges of being, you know, with or being a person with pain or being a person not with pain is that it's kind of hard to, to, to know what's really going on from the outside. Right? It's like, I, I don't know how much pain anyone is in unless they tell me. And that's a whole learning curve that I imagine shows up, you know, in different ways in, in when you work with people. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, oftentimes it's very, it's an invisible condition. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in a wheelchair at certain parts of my life and it was very visible. Mm -hmm. um, and people treated me differently than when I wasn't visible and I, you know, couldn't get out of a, a seat on a bus because I couldn't stand comfortably. Um, you know, you, there's a, there's um, that invisible cloak that you, that you wear when you're dealing with something that's chronic um, that isn't easily seen and witnessed by people around you who don't know you mm -hmm. is a challenge because it can feel like um, you're burdening people if you do tell them about it. You don't have the vocabulary oftentimes to, to, to share your journey um, mm -hmm. because you sometimes don't even know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it can be really isolating because lots of times, and I experience this and a lot of my clients do, you feel like you have to put on a happy face. You feel like you have to keep going or people will, you know, discount you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real challenge for sure. Well, it is a challenge also because then, you know, you also feel like you're, you're going to be a downer for everybody if you're honest all the time. So that, that happy face is also partly because, you know, it's like you're, you're sensitive to what other people around you are doing. Imagine that it gets kind of, you, you described getting a little lonely. People have a habit of not knowing how to be with someone through chronic illness in general. Sure, yeah separate, uh, you know, your friends tend to sort of sort a bit, a bit during, during that process. Yeah. So, you know, so, so, so clients come to you and, 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 and you know, and, and so you, you've described, you know, them starting to, to an individual starting to change their relationship with their illness process in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the one is, well, we're not really talking about having the pain go away or not. We're talking about how to live with versus how to get rid of mm -hmm. yeah. a big shift. Yes. And so what, tell me, you know, you know, how does, how does one start to do that kind of work as a client? Yeah. Well, I start with my clients to, we start, we start with at the within part, the inner ripple, <laughs> um, changing their vocabulary. Mm. So we start really small with just um, focusing on the kind of words they use to describe their life, whether it's with describing the pain or, or not the pain. And typically they go towards the pain because that's what they're managing. Mm. Um, so we start with uh, recognizing and being very, uh, just witnessing and observing. And this is where mindfulness comes in, I believe. Um, being aware and very witness to how we, um, the kinds of stories that we tell about ourselves and kinds of words we use to describe it. So oftentimes my clients will say things like, oh, my back's killing me. And I used to say that all the time. Um, you know, 
everything sucks or I'm just, I'm so like pissed off that I have to live, deal with this. And they use some pretty colorful language and it gets really, uh, you know, there's no editing. So they say whatever it comes out and we just start to pay a witness to how does that feel when they use those kinds of words? Right. Um, what comes up? Um, usually there's a sense of, of sadness and anger. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, uh, a mourning to the, to the pre-pain life. Mm -hmm. um, grief is a constant in my work with people. Um, they, we often think about the, what we can't have in the future because of the pain instead mm -hmm. of what we want and what's possible, even mm -hmm. though there is some pain. Mm -hmm. So we start really small with just focusing on our own story, our own, the, our own language and um, making some, some small adjustments to, you know, to what kind of words we use and how, how we, you know, how our thoughts manifest in our physical body. Mm -hmm. So we start in that very first ripple in the very beginning. Well, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you used, you mentioned mindfulness. So, so, so you're asking people to pay more attention to the experience they're having. Yes. And, and allow that to be broadener. And what I heard you describe is, is well, what are, the, what are the true feelings? Okay, there's the pain and you're having that reaction, the pain, but there's a feeling in there. What's that like? So you're mm -hmm. also expanding their vocabulary as well through, well, hold on, if you say, actually, I do this, I, this is one of the things I, I tease my wife a little bit about her language sometimes. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty intense. And well, what do you mean by that? And you just ask her, and then you get a more fuller experience. The person describes a fuller experience, but they also have a bigger experience, right, by just doing the work with you. Right, exactly. I, um, I often say that it feels like when one of my clients said, um, you know, Shelly, I feel like I am one, I'm like one dimension and it's just pain mm -hmm. and that I'm stripped away of like everything else about me that makes me a full person. Mm -hmm. So when we started changing the vocabulary that she was using and the vocabulary that she said to herself, but also to people around her, she started to say that she felt like a deeper, richer, more textured human being again. And, a, and a, so the word that you said more like fuller, she did feel more full and that there's more depth to it all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is what, you know, with, with the integrative medicine, the integrative health world says you're, 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 you're connecting with the whole person versus just identifying with, with the pain, uh, you know, in that way. Actually, uh, Arnold Mendel has an interesting language I like to use around pain where he says that every our pain has a giver and a receiver. Right. And so we tend to focus on the receiver of the pain. Right. You know, I'm I'm in pain. I'm receiving it. But some of us somehow it's giving it There's a message underneath the pain or the pain is there for some sort of purpose. Right. So his work is very much to start to be connected. Mm -hmm. What that giver might be, even if it's just to understand how and when the giver gives and how it shows up. And so broadening your relationship with pain. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'll have to read what what um, what he speaks about. Um, send you that Arnold Mendel. He does this whole type of. It's a, he's a therapist, so he works. Mm -hmm. with him. Yeah, yeah. There's a broadening the relationship is is huge, and um, I th that that extends out to our community and our starting with our family members and the people closest to us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, changing uh, because it affects relationships so deeply. Um, so yeah, the next ripple is working with them to establish, um, the, the conversation and to have the, to have effective conversations with the people who they do feel that they're safe to talk with and they can feel vulnerable with. And, nice, and, nice. um, because 
yeah, giving and receiving the people, not all, it's not always a paniac who's receiving the pain, right? Yeah, yeah. It can be the partner, it can be the best friend, the mom, the daughter, um, you know, right. anyone. So um, get, starting that dialogue so that way it doesn't feel like you have closed doors and the people who are loving the paniac and living around them or with them have the language too to, to know that they can help and be a supportive, you know, person there for them. Well, that's interesting because then, you know, when you talk about the second ripple, which is the being able to, you know, to, to change the relationships in a positive way. Now you actually started talking about there are actually skills that people can learn to do this more effectively. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, what we've learned in coaching is things like, you know, being able to, 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 to communicate more effectively and as a skill. Right. And so, and so, but what I hear is that, you know, since pain is the entire focus, one, the first ripple is just sort of expanding out to have a bigger understanding and vocabulary of it that, mm-hmm. that uses the skill of mindfulness. And one way to develop mindfulness is to meditate. Right. There are other ways, but that's the, that's the main way. Right. <laughs> and that can be a challenge for people living with pain meditation. So, because they think of, we think often that the, the, typical the right way to meditate is lying or sitting down upright eyes closed for half an hour and (laughs) you know we know that's not the case so it's it's changing that educating them on that too yeah no there's a lot of ways actually i've been watching uh you know the 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 person who i studied with junko roshi was he was actually there's a he was prescribed or giving someone a pranayama as the meditation, breathing because he was saying that that doing something that's very physically grounded was really going to help that person learn concentration. Mm-hmm. Right? Just a mind activity it was like, saying, no, you have to do a basic uh, pranayama. So it's interesting that, you know, in his mind, there's a lot of ways of meditating. Mm-hmm. And often people think it's the one way that they, they're struggling with. <laughs> right. Yeah. And visualization is really powerful too. Right. You know, some one woman who's um, a part of my Paniac community online, she is, um, she brought up a good point about, living with um uh some lung problems and it's hard for her to breathe Mm. so but breathing is relaxing to her and she's not able to exercise so there's ways that you can visualize yourself breathing deeply and imagining that inhale exhale so um yeah so working with them to adjust things no, totally. And guided meditations are good for that, too. And now there's just so many resources online for guided meditations. It's like you don't have to look you know, past the, you know, your computer screen and somebody will recite you a guided meditation for any part of your body. <laughs> I have one on my website that I do. So. Yeah, of course. And they're great. And, you know, so that, and that, that qualifies as meditation, which, which builds your skill of mindfulness, which is being able to understand or have a more direct experience of what's going on for you right yes. in a given moment but then that next ripple you're describing is well now you got to sort of you know pass that along to those close to you so that you can have a healthier ping pong of relatedness right you know and that's a skill too because sometimes we have a lot of feelings about talking or we have a lot of familiar relationships that have built up that are kind of baggage mm-hmm. so as a coach i imagine that's you're working with you know skill development on yeah you need to practice talking to people What's that going to be like to say this stuff? Yeah, it can be really hard. So many paniacs um, are um, doers or caretakers. You know, they like to be there for people. Um, they are really, they, they, in their pre-pain life, they were very, very active. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether it was physically or just like emotionally engaging with people who they're close to. So mm -hmm. it can be really hard for them to all of a sudden shift gears and be the person who communicates their needs. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a learning curve. Like you said, it's a challenge. Um, but I start with, um, we start with identifying, we go back to the inner ripple for a second, but we start with identifying what they need and what, um, not only what they can do for themselves, but what can other people, where do they feel comfortable letting other people help them? Mm, nice. yeah. And um, I have a podcast episode all about how to ask for help because mm. it's, and it's not going to be the only one I do because it's a, such a deep topic. Um, but asking for help is a challenge and it, it's hard to feel vulnerable, you know, and to put yourself out there for fear of being rejected or um, looked like you aren't looked at that you're not able to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so we start with recognizing where um, we start really small. We start with recognizing where in their daily life are there some challenges for them. If they, if they look at their main goals of what would it mean to have a fuller day, a day that at the end of the day they feel productive, but they feel that they pace themselves well, they feel that they took care of themselves, but they also feel like they were able to move forward. Mm -hmm. what does that mean? And it might just be like something as simple as, you know, getting the dishes done, um, sweeping the floors and making sure that I can go to the grocery store, you know, that might be, and then doing some gentle yoga. Right. Right. And, you know, some people have um, people that they feel comfortable that they can call upon, but other people might live by themselves. So it depends on the person's environment and their, and their support system. But we start with just recognizing what are, where are some places in their day that they could ask someone to help them. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as, or as, you know, as um, small as, you know, asking their neighbor to, um, you know, go to the grocery store with them once a week. And right. they share, you know, they share the trip together. Right. So the Paniac doesn't necessarily have to drive or carry the packages, you know, it's, um, or push the cart. So it really depends on the individual. But... Um, Focusing on, you know, feeling or re recognizing where there are spaces to reach out um, and just starting, just starting really initially really small. No, th th thank you. I mean, that's really helpful for people to see because, you know, on one level, it's like, well, that doesn't sound like very much, but actually it's a lot. And what you're describing is the, you know, what we're, we're affectionately calling the Goldilocks zone. It's like getting the clients to actually do just enough to have success and to have this skill, oh, I get it, I can ask for help to do things or have someone go to the, you know, it's the difference between, between uh, you know, having someone go shopping for me and realizing that just having someone to go with me right. is, is what I really just need back. Right. Sometimes you just need that support so you don't feel like you're alone or that, you know, you, if you have a flare up when you're driving to the store, you can't go grocery shopping or something. So it depends on the individual, but um, there's, there, you know, sometimes they do need someone to go shopping for them and we figure out ways to do that, whether, you know, if they have resources to hire someone or if they, um, and we talk about the exchange of, you know, we don't want it to feel one-sided. That's where it can be tough when you're living with pain is to feel like, you can't do anything and everyone has to help you. That's, that's really hard for people living with pain. So we figure out, okay, what on you, in your end, can you exchange to offer to that person? 
Yes. You still have a resource. You still have um, capacity to help. It just might not be in the same way as you used to be able to help people. Right. So sometimes it's as simple as, as small as like, you know, um, bring, giving them tea and, and just having them over to your house and just like talking about their day and being there for them. You right. know, so. Learning to, you know, to, 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 to be supportive of their life rather than just needing from them. So once again, I really appreciate this as this is, and you're in the second ripple, if I'm still in the right spot on the model. But the, the idea is, is that relationships matter. And, you know, in narrative health coaching, we call them relationships engage. Right, you know, and then it's interesting because you're describing the third level too, which is a learning transforms. So through your coaching, they're learning how much relationships can engage. You just gave a good example about that. And it can make a, a total difference if you have someone who goes with you. And yeah, you, you do have to kind of think about what you can give to them, but you know, what is that like? So you help them get into understand, oh, I could, you know, have them over for dinner or check in and find out what's going on, you know, attending to some of their work needs, because everybody has needs last time I checked. Right. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> we all do. And and um and it can be when you're living with pain, it can be um Easy, it can be easy to fall into that place where you feel like you can't do anything for anyone. You, you don't have anything to offer. So yeah, it's a simple, something as simple as that. And everyone has needs. So just checking with them and it can feel much more like a give and a take, a natural give and a take balance. So. Right. Which is important. And so, and then you personally took it to the next level of you've kind of created a life of service. I mean, service in a healthy way, right? Where you're getting, you're able, your gift is helping others learn and heal. Right. And that's, I hope so. Well, no, I think you're, well, I can tell. <laughs> The, the, uh, the of approval, um, but you know it, it's a wonderful thing because it, it fills you up with life as well to be able to be in the, to do this. You just tell from your energy that this is something that's very meaningful, and so you're healing by seeing others do this work. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. I I feel that this journey that I'm on and the journey that I that I was on. Um, and you know, it's always evolving that it's really purposeful now. And, um, there's an intention behind it that fuels me. You know, I, 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 I you know, I want to help that former Shelly who was, you know, 24 in a wheelchair and living in an apartment in San Francisco and unable, you know, didn't have anyone near me. Um, and I, I know that there's other people like that out there and I just want to provide as many resources that are accessible, free or very, very affordable for people who have, who just need someone to be there for them and to help them take back their story and move forward. So yeah, that's my goal. <laughs> that's good. No, it's, it's lovely. And that's what makes the, you know, the world, you know, we have to take care of each other. So it's a, an important piece. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, I, I know that this experience has made me much more compassionate um, you know, I'm still learning, <laughs> but I, I do know that I, um, when someone has a hardship, whether it's a friend going through divorce or, um, like when my father passed away of cancer, I was able to hold the space more for mm -hmm. people because, um, I found more empathy. I found more compassion, um, just by showing the same to myself. I now know how important it is to show it to other people. So. Well, no, you just gave a key thing because you also talked about often time, you know, a lot of the clients you work with are helper healer types. And mm -hmm. so then you just said, but it wasn't all just me giving. I had to do it for myself. So you're getting something and you're recognizing that there's something valuable in you showing up this way. 
And I imagine you have good, you know, you've, you've sort of developed a lot of self-care practices that you do. I have an arsenal of self-care practices. Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing to waste our time doing. It's not really wasting our time, but it's a good, I think it's a, you know, that's what I'm starting to notice is that all the healthy people I know spend a lot of time at it. It's yeah. Magic. Yeah. Well, the more we put into our well, the yeah. more often we can draw from it. So yeah, that's my point right now is my goal. <laughs> right now, very much so. Mm-hmm. So, so then you also have, you know, you, you had this other career that had to do with, with, uh, I think with marketing or, or media, definitely. So you launched this, this podcast, the Paniac podcast. So it's good to, to share a little bit about, you know, that community and what that resource is like, because we want people to go check it out. Yeah. So Paniac, the podcast, um, season one wrapped up in the fall. It's, um, we have 21, it might be 22 episodes. I think it's 22 episodes. Um, it's free. It's a resource that anyone can listen to um it's on itunes or google play music app it's also streamable on my website peacefulbodycoaching.com and um i in the podcast um i wanted it to be an opportunity for people who if they have access to the internet whether it's a library or a friend's computer or wherever they can listen to it um anytime day or night whatever they need to have someone who can provide them with um you know, some, like I can relate to them, but also provide them with some tools that they can use for self-coaching. I also um, interview people in the field who um, either um, are healthcare practitioners, um, like I've, I've interviewed herbalists, um, um, uh, medical doctor who specializes in medical marijuana usage, um, acupuncturists, um, people who are meditators, but also people who live with pain, other paniacs and talking about their journey. So I hope that it's a resource for people who um, want to feel like they're not alone when living with pain or illness and that they have some sort of, some sort of tools that they can use um, to help themselves continue moving on and, and living with pain. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's good. No, it's important because you know there's a lot. You know, I'm seeing this more and more. It's a it's a distributed technology. Anyone can listen to these conversations, and you've gone out of the way. I mean, this is what we're doing on this conversation. We're basically sharing our gifts as a service for people to to, to learn. And so, definitely, so podcast. There's a Paniac the podcast is the title, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure I just quickly looked, and, and we have your website, which you said very fast, so we're going to slow it down. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a peaceful body coaching, peacefulbodycoaching.com, right. and you can click on podcast, and season two is going to start in um, probably February. <laughs> I haven't picked the date, but it'll start in, this, in uh, winter or early spring. Right. And then you can subscribe and then, you know, you basically get a, you know, every week or every, I think it's every week, right. You get a podcast and you know, it's a nice way of going. And it certainly is a way of filling you with potential actions and activities that are, are really important because there are a lot of things that we can do. And, and these little things make a difference, right? I yeah. mean, you know, there's a, right now that there's a, you know, use crisis in, in healthcare around chronic pain and the opioid addiction issue. It's lurking around. So you just see more and more 
Uh, actually, there's a lot of, you know, chiropractic is coming along because there's some evidence that shows that spinal care is really good for spinal pain and health coaching is growing really, really rapidly because it makes sense that, you know, if there's not really a medical solution, then perhaps there's a behavioral solution, which is not exactly the way you and I like to describe what we're doing. But that's the way medicine describes it <laughs> as a behavioral intervention or let's say a non-pharmacological treatment is what we're doing yeah I think people are hungry for um, for those resources that that aren't just the medicine or the doctors because and yes I, I mean we're not discounting that at all um, I really have a lot of respect for my my doctor team and the medicine that they prescribed me in the past but there's um, there's a need for something more and and that I hope that coaching can you know can help provide that that that, that more that tool well, I think it really is. And so, I mean, you know, I, I was like, I really, you know, when I found your website and your work, I was like, this is something I really wanted to put up on my, on my website because I really feel like, um, you know, what we're trying to show is the, 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 how vibrant the health coaching profession is and how necessary. And so there's different little niches that, that people are working in. And this is a big one. By the way, I mean, there's always the challenges of how to get it paid for. Um, but I mean, even still, we're starting to see more and more uh, hospital systems and corporate wellness programs offering health coaching. So it's, you know, it's moving along. But, you know, what you're describing is really being able to sort of provide a, a really fabulous resource for chronic conditions that are just sort of lurking. You know, they're just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There, it's it's so there's so many people, and and it's um, it's it's just a big challenge. So yeah, I hope that I hope that by providing something like Paniac, which is free, that anyone can afford to you know anyone can afford free. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and and actually, just to 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 add to that, actually, you start you know mindfulness, which is based in meditation. It doesn't cost anything either. Right. And often people have a hard time doing it because it's kind of boring. And it's like, well, guess what? If boring leads to actually have more mastery of one's life and, and, and ability to, you know, to manage oneself. What's so bad about that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the tools that, that people are using to, to move forward with pain or move forward in their life with pain, um, you know, I think the majority of them are free or very, very affordable. And it's, it's a lot of work. It starts small, small little adjustments, and it's, you know, I'm still constantly working on my pain management. It's not something that all of a sudden you wake up and you're fixed, and you don't have to worry about doing the work anymore. It's a, it's a commitment to doing the work and a commitment to continuing on, and it's something that just will continually grow on itself. It's not going to just fizzle out. It's just going to continue to get stronger and deeper and, and more rich, so. And that's why actually you did, you, you did a nice show. That's what the coach is doing. So the actual methods are free and easy. Anyone could do it. But the coach provides that kind of structure and container to help get, move people from not really know how to do it to becoming pretty good at those practices, you know, helps kind of, you know, coach them to what's the right amount and how often and what's getting in the way and what you can do differently to do it better. And I mean, ultimately, we want our clients to, to be able to sustain their own practices without the coach. Right? That's a goal. Yeah, the goal. But to get there requires coaching. I mean, that's what health coaches are actually doing. You described it really perfectly uh, that way. And so that it is a service that way. So you bring your wisdom to facilitating the growth in 
the clients. Exactly. It's complete facilitation. It's a great way of putting it. I, I kind of see myself as like the, the facilitator and the coaching session is a container mm-hmm. and it's a safe container to, to, to manage whatever comes up because depending on the session, depending on the client, depending on how they are in their life at that moment, you know, we could have a session that's really productive. You know, if you want to put that term on it, they feel really accomplished. And then the next session they could have had a really hard day to flare up and we just have to, you know, it's an ebb and flow and just how to manage when those hard things come up. So that way when they're not with the coach that they can manage it on their own. So yeah, I kind of see myself as like the safe little house that they can be in to, to navigate what they need to navigate. Which is, which is healing, which is to have that particular piece that, you know, healing is not always getting better. Healing can also be just being present for what's happening right now. That's what you just described. Like yeah. that day and having the opportunity or the, the ability to sort of, well, claim it. So, well, this isn't very much fun. I'm not having a good time. Yeah. I see myself as the pain doula, (laughs) you know, doulas for pregnant women who, and for, you know, spouses to that you're going through something really hard, but you know, how can you manage it with someone who can kind of create the safe space? So I see that as, you know, I like it. There's a whole nother website we could market. (laughs) Yeah. I've thought about it. Yeah, no, that, 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 no, that's good. So that was really helpful because actually I just can't resist pointing out what we finally, we just, we just actually said the last principle of narrative health coaching, which is growth heals, right? And so this is a, you are being a healer by coaching this way because as the client grows, has more skills, as they grow these tools, they actually, their relationship with pain changes. It may not go all the way away, but it becomes something that they can actually work with and that's healing to not feel like it's completely out of control. And I think the worst part about pain is I, I have no control over it. I mean, or one of the, I can't say the worst, but one of the really challenging parts. So if I have some ability to say, you know, it's not going well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go sit quietly or today's a day where I, here's what I'm going to do for myself is a, is, a, is, is a huge blessing to have learned. Yeah. I'm not getting it in a medical care system, essentially. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, I think that it has to start with you, with, with the person dealing with it. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's um, you said something that I wish I had written down, um, but yeah, growth does heal. Mm-hmm. And once the story is, once we take the control of the story, it, we don't feel so um, helpless, which is, you're, right. you're accurate. It's a very, very, uh, I'd say it definitely is in the top three of the hardest things about living with pain is when you do feel like you don't have control. Right. Yeah, so. Absolutely. And actually, and, and, and interestingly, we won't get off the subject, but control in our life is a huge part of, of, of a lot of pieces. So feeling, having no control is not conducive to feeling good about yourself. No, yeah, yeah. In general, I mean, as you have a boss who you can't control or you have a parent who, who's, who you feel like you're stuck with, those are all hard moments. So here's pain where I have no control. So having, you know, your own sense and that takes a little, it takes having a coach. So I, 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 I'm glad that we did this because I really think that, you know, you describe a, the health coaching in, in really its finer essence. I and mean, it really is lovely the way you describe it. And I think you've, you, what you've done is you've put it in a language that's specific for, uh, you know, the, the right people to say, oh, I can relate to that. 
You know, you're not abstracting it. You're saying, no, this is this is what it looks like. And of course, you still, you know, you're giving it away so people can get a taste of it. But honestly, it should be obvious that you could really make a difference if you work with someone. There's still the work that coaches do. Right? And we hope people, you know, continue to, to, to call you. And we hope our listeners who are predominantly coaches see that, that, you know, they have, you know, because coaches have a lot of skills that you can use with people with chronic pain. Right, you know, and yeah. that's, you know, the, the skills apply really nicely, mm-hmm. right? the, the basic coaching skills. So because, you know, our, our listeners are predominantly, you know, health professionals mm-hmm. and also the health professionals who are listening, who, who, you know, may not know exactly what coaching is or heard about it. And I say, oh, that's interesting. I could use coaching. Here's another area mm-hmm. of healthcare that a coach would be a really important asset to the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so interested in seeing how, I mean, the work that you're doing and the work that other, our other colleagues are doing, how we're going to collectively change that landscape of how we talk about things like chronic pain and chronic illness so people don't feel as isolated and as alone. So I know that the work I'm doing is causing little bit of ripples, but I, I'm really excited and looking forward to, because I know it's coming, how there's going to be a giant change. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It take, it take a while. We, you, know, it, 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 you know, being patient with the change, <laughs> it's going to be a few years but it's you can see it changing right now but mm-hmm. it's got a lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of um, it's like a wave picking up steam yeah yeah and so you know i mean i'm in at this stage because i just think that, that that we know that health coaching is growing really really rapidly because there's such a need and and it, it, it's such a logical um you know intervention it's a terrible word but an intervention for most illness settings Having a coach is a, is a perfectly uh, necessary and vital one. So it's just a matter of how many people figure that out and when. <laughs> so it'll take a little bit of time. Well, Shelley, thank you for taking the time today to, to, to share your work. Uh, you know, I really I enjoy our conversation, but I also really am impressed with the work you're doing and looking forward to, 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 to having the Paniac. Just, just be able to listen in and see what that looks like. And, you know, and being able to use it as a resource for my clients. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Joel. I really appreciated this conversation. And you've given me some, you know, great nuggets to bring back, nuggets of wisdom to share with my, with my folks. So, yeah, I'm just really thankful that you're creating this platform for people to talk about these necessary issues. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you for taking the time. And we're going to sign off now. And we will hope that folks join us again next month. Yeah, (laughs) I look forward to it. (laughs) Thanks, Joel.